your faith is not your own. What do I mean by that? Your faith neither begins nor ends with you. Your part in faith is in the middle of those two, but that's for another homily. Today is how is our faith neither beginning nor ending with us, and how is that good news? We see it in the resurrection accounts of Jesus, right? Two disciples on the road to Emmaus encounter Jesus. They rush back to Jerusalem to meet the apostles, and they tell them everything about what had happened. And then Jesus appears, and he speaks to them and shows them their wounds, but then St. Luke is very specific in the words that he uses. While in their joy, they were disbelieving and still wondering. They still lack faith. They still do not have the personal conviction of faith in believing that Jesus is risen from the dead when he's standing in front of them. Their faith does not begin with them. Faith is always something that is first given which is what Jesus does for the apostles to bring them to faith in him and to fulfill that faith in the promise of eternal life. And how does Jesus do that? First, he says that what is written must be fulfilled. He ties them back to their whole tradition and culture of the Jewish faith. He reminds them of how their life, their history, who they are as a people points to belief in him risen from the dead. He says, points to them how everything that is written is pointing to belief in him truly risen from the dead. But then what does he have to do? The same thing that he had to do with the disciples on the road to Emmaus, that he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. They had to come to an awareness of the world, of reality, of their own life that was bigger than themselves. Because their understanding, their perception of their Jewish faith was too narrow to understand how Jesus risen from the dead was in fact the fulfillment of the Psalms and the prophets and the law. And then he points them to himself, that his suffering and his rising are this fulfillment. And then what happens? In our first reading, the Acts of the Apostles, when Peter and John are out, they do the exact same thing. If you go back and you listen to the words that Peter uses to address the crowds who have just seen him heal a lame man and they are disbelieving and wondering at what is going on, Peter takes the same tactic that Jesus does. He reminds them again of their own history of how what was written in the law and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled in Jesus. And he tries to open their minds to understand the scriptures in a way that is bigger than themselves. And they take that up again and again. And in that way, faith is first handed down to us. It is offered to us as a gift. Then we're asked whether we want to respond to that or not. But faith is first offered. It's a gift from the resurrection for the sake of our own resurrection. And this idea of faith being something that is bigger than just me, for a generation of you that are here, you're wondering why this is even a question. 
because you live it out and you always have. Your Christian faith, your Catholic faith was something that was always part of your life. And the practices of the Catholic Church of going to Mass and going to confession and praying the rosary and praying every day, it's not a question. It's what we do. It's part of who I am. That's life. But when it came down to start with the baby boomers, if you ask them now, every one of them that was baptized Catholic, just about all of them will tell you that they are Catholic. But a huge majority of them do not practice their faith. Very little or at all. They still cling to this identity of Catholic, but they don't take up the responsibility of being Catholic. And then when you get to Generation X and Millennials, if I don't choose to be Catholic, doesn't matter what my parents did for me, doesn't matter. Because all that matters is what I choose. Do I believe or not? And that's all that matters. It's kind of like a job, employment. We all need a job. If it's not a job at a company, the job of being a homemaker or in retirement, of just caring for your home and your life, it's a job, it's work. We need work as human beings. We don't sit around and be lazy. That's not how we are made. We need a job. Now, for those of us that are adults and have jobs, in whatever form that takes, for some of us, we love our job, and our job brings us fulfillment. And this is the ideal, and we would hope that every day of our life would be loving our job and finding perfect fulfillment in our work. But we know that that's not the reality. Sometimes we don't like our job, for whatever reason, because of the people that we work with, because of the administration, because we're just not really finding fulfillment in the work. But our responsibility to our employer to the projects that we're doing, pulls us through that. That even for a time, if I don't like my job, because of the sense of responsibility that I have to the job, it pulls me through. And then maybe after a period of time, I find fulfillment in my work again. And then sometimes, I just don't want my job. I don't like the work that I do at all. I would rather be doing something completely different. I would rather be retired and not have a job. But I understand that work provides something that is important. Whether it gives a sense of purpose, even if I don't understand what that is, it gives income to support myself and my family. There is good in a job, even if the job stinks by itself. Faith is kind of like that. The ideal is that we love our faith and it brings us fulfillment every day of our life. The reality is, it doesn't. That's not the way it goes. Sometimes we kind of don't like our faith because it's not really bringing us the fulfillment that we expect from it. However, our responsibility to our faith pulls us through. This is what St. John is getting at when he's talking about the commandments showing our love for God. Sometimes in our life of faith, we just follow the commandments of God, the commandments of the church, to pull us through when we really are not finding any personal sense of fulfillment or connection with God in our life of faith. And we allow that to pull us through so that we can hope to find fulfillment again. And sometimes, like the one who hates their job, 
we doubt. We doubt that our faith is a thing at all. But then we are reminded that our faith is not something that begins and ends with me, but it's something greater than that. That we have this faith of the church that I am a part of. And we acknowledge it at every Mass. There's a prayer right around the Our Father, right after the Our Father. The priest says, Lord Jesus Christ, you said to your apostles, peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church. Don't look at my own individual personal actions and choices, but look at the faith of your church, instituted by your Son and supported by your Spirit. Look to the faith of your church. We acknowledge it at every Mass that our faith is something that is bigger than just our personal conviction or our personal decision towards faith. And this is good news because we all have ups and downs in our life of faith throughout our life. And in those moments when we're in a down, whatever reason that that is, there is a faith that exists beyond our personal conviction that pulls us through, that gives us a way through a lack of fulfillment or doubt or whatever it might be. This is really important for us to hold on to. Because if our faith becomes solely dependent on ourselves, which for some of you is not a temptation at all, but you see, maybe in your children or grandchildren, how far it's gone. That they have not made that decision for themselves, and so it's not something worth approaching. The danger of it being reliant on our own personal conviction of whether it is true or not means that if I struggle, then I push myself to do the right thing, and it's not really driven by something greater than myself. I heap more burdens on my life, and then I resent my faith over time because it just demands so much of me. Or if I get into a season of doubt, and it's all reliant on myself, then I'm gone. If I doubt my faith, but there's nothing bigger than my own conviction, my faith, then why am I here? I should probably look elsewhere. Our faith does not begin nor end with ourselves. And this is good news. Our part is the part in the middle where we are given this gift of faith and we say, yes, I embrace this. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this gift. But the gift of the fact that our faith does not begin or end with us is that there is something being offered to us by grace that shows us the way through doubt, lack of fulfillment, and struggle. It's what the apostles experienced, the ones who were with Jesus. While they were disbelieving and still wondering, Christ offered them the gift of faith. And if you don't think that they struggled with their faith, read the entirety of the Acts of the Apostles. You will see how even St. Peter goes through seasons of ups and downs in understanding what his faith is and how he needs God's grace, God's gift of faith, to pull him through. This is why reading the letters of St. Peter are so beautiful, because these come at the end of his life when he's come to realize the gift that is being offered to him in his life. So my encouragement for you 
this weekend. Think about where the gift of faith comes from in your life. Who are the people in your life who have offered you this gift? Maybe parents or grandparents, maybe a friend or a relative, people in your life who have guided you towards that gift. Maybe give thanks for the community of faith that you are a part of right now, that it becomes a reminder that you are not alone in this life of faith. Where is faith a gift offered to you? And to give thanks for that.